0: all right hi everybody it's rcfb talk 142 it is tuesday night this is when we'd like to talk to you so i just want to go ahead and welcome you all and when you join in would love to have you hit request and be happy to let you up here i just threw that comment down at the bottom so if you'd like to be part of the conversation i welcome you just have to be on the twitter app um, on whatever phone you're on, and hit request, and I'll let you up here. We can have a conversation about whatever you'd like to talk about. It's Tuesday. There's a lot of things going on. Oh, I see our good friend Thack is here, so I'm going to go ahead and let him up. So hopefully my phone won't act weird. Last week I realized I had a cord malfunction. So, of course, uh, everything that can go wrong does go wrong, and then you just roll with it because that's what you do. Hey, Thack, how are you doing? Hey, how's it going, man? How's it going, back? It's good, man. I uh, I nearly forgot uh, it was Tuesday because my kids are finishing up school and I felt like, okay, it's Friday. I had to go to a fifth grade graduation and I'm like, all right. And then I literally had a friend go, hey, are you doing the show tonight? And I went like, it was like, I mean, I'm in central time and it was like 834 and I'm like, oh, oh my gosh, it's Tuesday. So uh, here I am. <laughs>
1: It is graduation uh, party season, filled with uh, barbecue, finger food, and uh, and uh, cake. So, uh happy graduation season to all the those are uh, those are celebrating. <laughs> yeah, for those who
0: choose to celebrate. Oh my goodness! So I wonder what's going on with you, man. What are your thoughts on college football recently? Because there's been a, I mean, there's stuff going on. I mean, you know, yeah. Yeah, at all levels.
1: Heater of a news week, my friend. Heater of a news week. We got. We got some crazy stuff going on. SEC uh, voted on finalizing the eight-game season, in which I don't think they'll vote on that again until 2024, I believe. Uh, I think it was uh, only a handful of schools, including the beloved, uh, my team, Missouri Tigers, who had voted on the nine-game season, but it was struck down. Uh, The other thing, too, which I am super excited about, uh, the Netflix documentary series, uh docu-series announced uh it'll be urban meyer's time at the florida gators obviously you've got a ton of characters there tim tebow uh erin Hernandez. i mean just absolute it, an incredible strange weird time in college football that will certainly make for a very interesting documentary and of course you've got the big news in uh, in the past two days uh uh, Colorado having a, a a meeting agenda item call, called legal uh, advice for CU yes. athletics. I think that's going to be the big one here um, where it's a it's a, people are saying that there is a possibility of uh, of Colorado and possibly another school coming to another conference. Specifically, people are projecting the Big 12. And uh, it, it's interesting. Um, the Big 12 seems to be uh, Seems to be uh, amassing uh, amassing schools while the SEC and the Big Twelve have come out and said that they're they're laying off at least for a little bit. Uh, I don't think that there's any hot super interest right now in the SEC picking up a school like Florida State at least this year. Uh, so it's interesting seeing what may happen with uh, with the Big Twelve and what moves may happen there. Uh, what do you think about it? what do you think about Colorado returning to the mm. Big Twelve?
0: Yeah, no. So I have some thoughts on that. I think they certainly are open to. And I think it was last week there was a news item where the president of Colorado, he was basically or may have been the athletic director. I apologize. It was last week. But he said, like, like, we'd like to stay. He gave like almost what sounded like the dreaded vote of confidence in the Pac-12 for now. But at the same time, he said, like, he wasn't hiding the fact that, yeah, no, we are talking to the Big 12. We're listening. You know, he's not saying we're not listening to them at all. Um, but I think a lot of it's going to hinge on this long delayed because it, uh, media rights deal, the PAC 12 gets. And if it's not attractive, I think that's where we'll see potentially some moves. And even then what makes it not attractive? I don't know. I, I think if it's really close to the low $30 million range that the big 12 is now going to be paying out, I think there's a chance they can retain people just because of the, the headache it might cause. But I, you know that we've seen, because I mean, as I've said before, the Pac-12 isn't very cogent in how it approaches this, at least in terms of messaging. The Big 12 is pretty much your mark is doing his thing to the point where people are like, there are reports that the he, your mark's been talking to teams without even the rest of the conference along his side. Like I mean, because UConn and Gonzaga have been mentioned as potential additions. Obviously, UConn, probably uh, Gonzaga, would be basketball only. And uh Yukon would be an interesting way. I mean, one of the <laughs> one of the one of the West Virginia fans and hearing Yukon might join the Big Twelve is like this is just the Big East with extra steps. I mean, the old big east for those of you who remember that. But um, no, it's really curious to see where all this is gonna go. I think we're gonna see whether or not that Pac-12 media deal is sweet enough to keep those teams in, otherwise, it's gonna be a free-for-all out there. And if it's a sweet enough deal, I think the Pac-12 will then move to that, that anticipated San Diego State SMU kind of addition, and then I'm sure the Big 12 will have to come up with something to reply. Going back really lightly just to reiterate the issues with the ACC at the moment, that grant of rights deal was crafted so well. It's, this, rant, it's this, this thing that always gets brought up, but basically all the ACC teams are locked in with what has been estimated even by Florida State in a uh, presentation to the Board of Regents back in February as a $120 million like penalty. So they can't just run out the door. I mean, although Florida State has flirted with the idea of how long it would take to recoup that as an SEC member, um, but that assumes that they'd be let in. Because historically, and now I'd, I'd argue they're a more attractive team now than the first time this ever came up, Gosh, it must have been, two, God, here's my age coming. It might have been 30 years ago or 20 years ago. Whenever, whenever South Carolina joined the uh, joined the SEC, and it, it, it was the early 90s. That was apparently something that Florida State was gearing, trying to be part of um, when they'd been a long-time independent. Uh, and that obviously didn't work out. Uh, but now they're certainly a more attractive team. We've talked about it last week. Clemson would also love to be a part of that. And if the ACC were to break apart, there's some teams there that the Big Ten might actually be interested in as tepid as they've been about adding teams from the, the pac 12 again, i because Oregon and Washington certainly would like to go over there. I think, you know, Georgia tech suddenly becomes an attractive program because suddenly you have the Atlanta market in the big 10 and then, you know, Miami or then, you know, a Carolina team, you know, North Carolina is certainly academically fit. Virginia is an academic fit and they're, they're in, although Virginia might be a little close. I'm not sh- to, uh, maryland as much as maryland's pulling in tvs but uh you know i'm not i'm not sure it's an interesting question you know i just apologize i just saw we have someone else who wants to join in so nathan i'm gonna go ahead and let you up so once you get upfield, love to hear from you nathan what's going on uh i was just thinking about um
2: what you were saying about colorado and i was thinking that yeah i mean the big 12 it looks like they're just trying to get programs on to avoid like sinking Becoming a sinking ship. Um, but Colorado is a big program. They make money. It makes sense. Like, I think it would make a lot more sense for them to take a look at the Big Ten. Is it just a thing that the Big Ten isn't looking to expand right now?
0: I think it's a bit of that. I think the problem Colorado has, I, I, they aren't necessarily attractive to the two biggest conferences right now, which are going to obviously be the SEC and the, and the Big Ten. Part of it is... I don't know. It's interesting. It, it might be the Colorado market cuz again, it, it tends to come down to to television market. That's what's making them attractive. That's what made USC and UCLA so attractive. They would go together and they would bring the LA market with them to the point where the Pac-12 is like, "Oh crap, we got to add somebody now in Southern California." And and that leaves San Diego State which becomes attractive to both the Big 12 and the uh, um, and the, the the Pac-12. But the uh I, Colorado tends to not come up as much, and I think maybe it is just Denver isn't a big enough market to be attractive on the level that, say, that's why I, I mentioned Georgia Tech, even though they're not, they haven't really had a whole lot of success since Paul Johnson, you know, at the same time, it's, it's, it's such a huge market, it's a whole reason, you know, they added Rutgers to the Big Ten, you know, even though you know, it's not like the Scarlet Knights have a a story other than starting this the sport, they don't, They don't necessarily have a story storied history of, of being particularly great. yeah um, but I think that's its big hurt. But of course, with Colorado and the Big 12, part of the reason is I think there's culturally this sort of twist in that group where they are one of the they are the weakest link in the sense that they kind of remember being part of the big twelve before. Um, while obviously they're gonna lose Oklahoma and Texas, they certainly remember. Playing some of those teams, although they're they're heated rival. The one, if you know anything about Colorado, and for those who out there who may not know, Nebraska is probably the most hostile rival you'll ever find, other than you know obviously Colorado State. But I mean, Nebraska fans. I remember when I went to that campus, and if you ever get a chance to see a football game, it, it's one of those cathedrals of college football. The only thing I ever saw
2: effigies of on that campus was of Colorado, and I was like, yeah. okay. <laughs> yeah, I actually go to Nebraska, and I can confirm that. Yes, yeah, we, we hate the Buffs. We definitely yeah. hate the Buffs. <laughs> yeah, it's like the nicest fans except
0: for Colorado. Then then suddenly it's like a totally different attitude. And you're like, I had no idea Nebraska fans had this in them. Um. <laughs> yeah, that's,
2: that's another reason I think it would make so much sense is because, I mean, even for Boulder right now, you see the ticket prices. The Nebraska-Colorado rivalry should be something that is played more often than it is. It's a moneymaker for both cities. Uh, The fans obviously want it. You can see just on the internet the back and forth they're having. And, I mean, I just think it makes sense. And it makes the Big Ten, the new Big Ten, less of a meme geographically because you have UCLA and USC and then nothing and then Nebraska. I think if you just add a bridge in there, it makes a lot more sense. And then you kind of have a division too. It's that's
0: not a bad idea. Although I think eventually divisions are going away. And I think that's part of what the sec is going to do. Zach, I know you wanted to to chime in here.
1: Oh yeah. I just wanted to say uh, over here in Missouri, we don't particularly like the buffs either. Uh, they, they got an extra down, which led to a fake national championship.
0: <laughs> yeah. I think I heard about that once. <laughs> yeah.
1: yeah. As, uh, we got all the former, uh, former big 12. We got the Nebraska guy. I mean, uh, I'm out here in Kansas right now in enemy territory and, uh, Man, if uh, if that Big Twelve didn't fall apart uh, so easily, it would have been such a fun, such a fun conference. Mizzou, Nebraska, uh, Kansas, Colorado, Oklahoma, Texas, uh, and I, I think it would have been even more fun now with a little bit with Oklahoma, and Texas, uh, not uh, not the hottest they've been in uh, in a, in, um, in a little bit. I mean, it would have been so fun. But uh, I, I digress.
0: I'm waiting to talk to a young college football fan who will be like, wait, West Virginia wasn't always in the Big 12 or something like that, where you'd be kind of like, oh, you know, like (laughs) I feel so old. Um, You know, just one last thought on Nebraska before. And I see we have someone else who wants to jump up and I'll let you up in a moment. Um, You know, I just saw there was a uh, tweet uh, from Mitt Winter. He's a sports lawyer. And I always like reading what he writes. He wrote it about a week ago, a little over a week ago, just about uh, it was a quote from Nebraska's president. On uh, sort of, you know, that North, pardon me, Nebraska wants to be a leader where uh, college athletes are directly paid by schools. The NCA he believes, may not be capable of leading with changes coming to college athletics. But at the same time, he doesn't think there should be like a federal. Rule on NIL legislation. That's a whole other topic, which I can talk on so much because I had to, for a long time I was doing a guest uh, a guest part on a newspaper's NIL speech, but uh pardon me, um, podcast. But oh my goodness, that 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 was an interesting take, and I'll be curious to see because meanwhile, just sort of one more thing, I'll just throw in there. I was just reading that actually, there is uh, several universities are actually banding together to uh, to talk to Congress to try and get. Um, some uh, legislation on the on NIL because they are actually there it is. Yeah. It's Clemson, Georgia, Ole Miss, Tennessee, and Washington are going to go and lobby to Congress uh, this week on NIL laws. And I know Kirby smart has said some things about that uh, around sec um, sec media day, probably me, not media days, pardon me, they're having the sec meetings. It's, it's like more of an in-house thing, although they, they let reporters go along and I, I, the problem is Kirby Smart is like the worst. I mean, I, I, I'm not saying this in, as an insult, at all, but he's like, the, unfortunately, it's hard for people to listen to what he says because he's the reigning two-time national champion. And some people are like, oh, well, he he plays a game and it's unfair and blah, blah, blah. But at the same time, like I kind of agree with what, the statement for why they're saying it because the head coach is like him. Because he'll also say, and I've heard him say this and I've heard other head coaches say this, the NIL uh, and especially the Portal – have kind of ruined their lives a little bit like not just the high paid coaches, but like the assistants. They're like, all I ever do now, especially at the FBS level, it's like all I ever do is worry about are we gonna lose a player? are we gonna you know are, how do we how do we get these players to come along? And the the usual break time that a lot of coaches were getting right after the season or right in between like the uh, after you know especially you know between recruiting has kind of evaporated for a lot of them. So, I think a lot of them are just sort of like some of the coaches are on the side of, look, we'll play this game. We'll keep playing this game and all these absurd rules, but can we just like have a set? Because there was a great article last week by Ross Dellinger. And if you get a chance to read it, it's basically talking about all the complicated rules that the um that, for example, in the suC, Are dealing with um, inside the NIL battle that is splintering the SEC. That was the uh, title of the article. It came out on uh, May 30th. Is at least when he tweeted about it. And I read the full thing. It is one of the best articles I've read on this topic because it talks about how you know in the SEC alone you've got 11 states among all those teams, including you know obviously Texas and Oklahoma are part of that, going to be part of that soon enough. So you have Oklahoma and Texas that have passed rules that are uh, state laws. That are very generous in NIL, so that it allows coaches um, and players. It allows a lot. Allows the uh, pardon me the NIL uh, collectives to do be a little bit more aggressive. Um, it says the SEC, me, the NCAA can't enforce their rules in those states. But actually, if you read it, it means the SEC conference can't even enforce its rules in those states on NIL issues. And then Mizzou went and topped them both. By passing a law that says an in-state recruit, high school recruit, if they have signed with an in-state team. So if you're from, uh, let, let's say, St. Louis or Kansas City in the state, you're a top recruit. You sign with Mizzou or I guess Truman State. Uh, you know, at, you can now get an NIL deal and no other state can do that. So meanwhile, if you look. A little earlier this spring, or a little earlier this year, like back in January, February, Florida finally passed a law to loosen up their own NIL rules. Because if you look at the history of all of this, because those of us who can remember the uh, 2022 season, it feels so long ago when you're talking NIL. But I mean, Florida had some of the most restrictive rules because when NIL came out, a lot of states just didn't know what to do. They were like, well... Some some of my constituents say they're really mad about like the idea of paying players. So let's make our roles a little tight. So, you know, we'll please our university. We'll please these constituents who are writing to me. And then after like a season and a half, everyone's like, oh, oh, wait, that state lets you do what? And then suddenly those same fans are and it's a wonderful bipartisan issue. I'm not saying it's political at all. It's actually easy to pass because suddenly, you know, you get people on both sides of the aisle totally happy to pass an easy law that will please, you know, all the university fans in their state. And suddenly, you know, so Florida finally went around to re redo their law and now they can't do anything that they can do in, in Oklahoma, Texas and Missouri. So in Missouri, so which is basically Missouri. Uh, so that's kind of what we're dealing with here. So that's why when you hear a lot of these coaches and, and schools saying like we'd like a national law on that, it's because I think a lot of them are starting to get nervous that what's going to happen here. And And one other thing that Ross's article was good about, it talks about the unforeseen consequences of this which could bring in Title IX infractions. It could actually – some of these rules that are being passed, especially in Texas, are basically saying collectives don't need to be as separate from the university, so it allows them to blend into things like the foundations, and, and Texas A&M has a special situation where the 12th Man Foundation is kind of it, – it sits in this perfect spot to allow it to um, – where it's it's clo- it's not quite the university, but it's close enough where it can, it, it's decided to get into the nil realm. I'm not going to get into the details of that just in a second, but the problem is, eventually, you start to erode what it means to be a nonprofit, and that becomes a huge factor for universities because if you're suddenly making, if you're saying, "Oh, we're giving you know tax deductions to people donating to an nil function," I mean, it's really hard to say you're following a charitable cause by paying a player to play a sport. You know, uh, purportedly, the player will show up maybe for a nonprofit. Some of them are doing like individually. Some athletes are doing some really amazing things for nonprofits. And I, I don't want to paint with a white brush there. But I mean, sometimes it's just like you show up at a Zoom meeting and make an appearance or talk to some. Uh, and maybe they'll throw one kid from a children's hospital into this audience to, to say it's a charitable event. But part of the problem is if you're not careful... Um, and, and and I say this as someone who has founded a nonprofit. Like we actually at RCFP have a, a nonprofit wing that federally recognized. And I remember, you know, as I'm a lawyer by background. I worked with. I'm, I'm a lawyer enough to know that I needed a lawyer. Uh, so talking with all, it's like we had to make sure, you know, what you do involving a nonprofit has to stay with that mission. And if they get a little too close to the sun. With some of these new NIL rules on the state level, and the thing is, the legislators are trying to score easy baskets. It's not like again, I said, it's bipartisan. It's not about it's not about a political party here. They're just like, oh wow, if I keep passing these laws, all of these uh, all of these sports fans love it. And then they're gonna, I'm afraid, they're gonna accidentally pass some laws that allow a university to do something that's going well. One university is probably going to end up being the uh, the the <laughs> poster child for it. And suddenly there's going to be some ugly lawsuit. And I could totally see some anti-sports people in, you know, people who kind of think, oh, universities are lost their way challenging a law or challenging their universities, sport the foundation associated with the athletics department, and saying that they're crossing a the line. And then suddenly things get in a lot bigger on a level that a lot of, I think, fans just don't realize. And it's so funny because all of this has been happening in, like, the last few months of the offseason. So it, it, I think – I. <laughs> If something really blows up, there's going to be a lot of casual fans that are going to pop up in the fall and be like, w- w- "Wait, what? <laughs> when did this happen? Last time I heard, Georgia won a national championship, and uh, you know, and, and you know, USC's defense sucks. Well, what, well, how did we go from that to to this? But that was a uh, sorry. I was trying to fit a lot of stories into one little summary there. But I want to let West Coast Kane up. I mean, he's been super patient and waiting. Um. Let's let him up and be a part of this. So, hey, I'd love to hear from you. Feel free to unmute, and we'd love to hear what your thoughts are right now. Well, I think I'm having some technical difficulties because I couldn't hear anything. <laughs> hey, uh, Thacker, Nathan, did either of you – did? was it just my side or
2: – I didn't hear anything. Okay, cool. Either.
0: All right. So I've had a panic because sometimes that happens. You know, It might have been because it was – I'm going to go ahead and let him up one more time, but all right. Thank you, Nathan. I really appreciate that.
3: It's really weird when I become speaker, all of a sudden – everything cuts out that's really interesting
0: (laughs) oh that's so funny because i well you're up now i I don't want to
3: discuss actually discuss things um but
0: i don't know no no no. uh, i swear i just i couldn't hear you on my side of it and sometimes it's a technical issue with with actually just i don't know what side of twitter space it is because i like last week i figured out my cord was what was going wrong but i've had issues where i've let people up After they've been waiting for a while and sometimes it it doesn't wait. But typically it's been when I let people up and they've been on mute for a while. But now you're up here and we'd love to hear from you.
3: Yeah, now I hear fine. So, uh, well, I actually did want to discuss uh, employment and NIL in particular. So it just happened to be great timing because I I just wrote a law review article on this actual
0: topic. Oh, I love this. Thank you. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) So, (laughs) So was it a note or a comment? It was a comment. Oh, right? it was a full on sixty five page comment. Oh yeah. This yes. Was, sorry, that's uh, a that's tech for those of you out there, that's like that's a that's a, what it calls it when, when, when law students tend to write these the the part of the RV. But anyway sorry I didn't mean to, to I no. just love that you did that. But please tell I want to hear what your thoughts are yeah. on this. Yeah. One thing that uh,
3: that is happening right now in the Third Circuit, I mean that nobody is it seems to be highlighting or talking about other than Ross Ellinger and and, and people like him is players are about to be considered employees uh, by federal courts. They're going to rule that college athletes are employees, but nobody is, other than the NCAA particularly, no one is really prepping for this and no one is really saying, hey, we got to pump the brakes a little bit. Because the results of this, while maybe legally sound, will be disastrous. Uh, I'm, I'm talking about, I've spoken with agents, just I'm talking athletic departments shutting down. Um, cause how are you going to support not only, you know, uh, what 85 player plus football team, and then you're still going to pay the walk-ons necessarily. Um, and then you also have to pay the gymnastics team, the hockey team. I mean, there's so much that is going to be on the table and I guess, yeah, you, you are kind of talking about, yeah, there are schools banding together on the NIL front. Um, but I'm not really seeing anybody, you know, trying to feed to agents or feed out to the media hey this is going to be disaster and it's impending because right now it's i don't know the courts it 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 already got through the lower court or at least got appealed to the third circuit and the third circuit is looking basically like they're going to agree with the lower court um so it, it just seems like it's going to happen and i don't think anybody's actually doing anything about it and i don't think fans realize how disastrous uh, this could potentially be.
0: Yeah, I, I, I'm with you on that. And I, I think it's it, exactly when you take the moment to sort of scratch the surface of what's what's going on with all of these, you know, with all of these different um, approaches that are being taken between all the states. It's like, what, they're not writing these thinking about that. They're, they're sort of, and then you have a lot of universities that are kind of pushing a light. And it's funny too, because you hear... You'll read interviews where some of the folks who are, and I, and this goes to what you said at the beginning that that a lot of um, a lot of folks are either asleep at the wheel or they're they're just not quite getting it. They're uh, they keep saying like I we had assumed this might happen, but we thought it wouldn't happen immediately. And I'm like, it's like they just didn't realize there's folks here who kind of in the back of their head may have thought things would kind of start pushing things again into this employment area. But just figure, oh well, there'll be this—I don't know—gentlemen's agreement to use an older style term that people won't cross that line, and then within like a year, it's like, nope, you know, we're all gonna chase after. I mean, do you think there's any way it could be halted? Do you think, I mean, is it is is something like federal legislation the only option, or or what do you think would be? Is this is this um, an unstoppable force at this point? it see that's the issue i'm i'm an optimist so i'm
3: holding out hope that that's not the case and there are things that that could be done to kind of halt at least the the progress and i I think that's why charlie baker ultimately was appointed as the president of the ncaa former mayor or governor of of massachusetts so he knows how to deal with uh, both sides of the aisle but the problem on the at least the term of, of of federal legislation is um, the NCAA was kind of banking on the midterms, going in favor more of the Republicans. Um, but now that there's basically political gridlock, it doesn't seem like any federal legislation, one way or another, is likely to pass. Um, yet, yet kind of had a couple years ago, um, with at least NIL legislation, I think it was uh, Cory Booker. Um, I forgot the name of that NIL bill, but it basically wanted uh, national NIL uh, legislation, Um, and then also healthcare benefits tacked onto that. Um, I don't think any federal legislation of the sort is coming down the pipes anytime soon though, but I will say that there are ways of stopping this, but it it starts on a more conference wide and school wide level. I don't think the NCAA has enough power to do anything at this point anyways. Um, so you basically need conferences like the sec, like the big 10 to basically share media revenue. And then that makes lawmakers more inclined and judges, I'd say more inclined to rule in favor of the NCAA, because for years it's been court case, court case, court case against the NCAA basically saying, oh, they're amateurs. They don't deserve to be paid at all. And then basically after Alston, courts, especially um, uh, Justice Kavanaugh's uh, uh, concurrence where he basically is like, no, we're not. We're not doing this anymore. We're not. They're not amateurs. Nobody. Nobody thinks that way anymore. Uh, the gig is up, essentially. So what schools and conferences need to do is give their players a share of the wealth. And I'm currently in California. Um, Eric Holden, um, one of our assembly people here. I forgot the name of the bill. It's the College Athlete Protection Act, I believe, is the name of it. And basically, what it does, and it it puts. it it basically splits media revenue on certain schools and certain teams. So teams that basically, I forgot how they're doing this. I wrote it a while back. Basically these teams, um, you make a certain amount of money and then revenue from that team is split up and then 50% goes to the players, but it's put into a trust for each player. So basically you have to graduate within six years of enrolling in that university to get paid, um, what you're owed. And I think that legislation like this on a statewide level um, and on a school-wide level, uh, basically sharing and then saying, okay, you can get this money, but you have to graduate within six years, that makes it, uh, it basically it, it negates the whole thing where it's like, oh, they're not student-athletes anymore. They're just athletes. They're employees. Well, no, they're students. They're working for their degree. They get paid if they complete their degree, um, just things like that. Uh,
0: things that that's yeah. interesting. So I, th- I didn't even know about that one. That's, that's a, that's a really, and you're right. Cause I mean, California just because I mean it drove the NIL issue to begin with and they are still kind of developing that, but I just want to go back to, I agree with you on uh, cause I, I, I'm loving every comment you're making, by the way, this is really interesting stuff. And I can tell, I, I, you know, it's so funny lawyers can tell when other lawyers are talking just because based on it's like, yeah, I, I, yeah. I know, you know? But at the same time, I agree with you because I think, you know, one of my favorite sports uh, professors, uh, sports law professors who writes on this is Michael McCann. And he's been pointing out constantly, he's like, there's very little chance that all of these federal proposals are going to make it out of committee. Like, we keep seeing several of them. There's been at least three. I know one came out of the Senate. Um, Lindsey Graham was proposing it. There's like one by some congressman in Florida that got a lot of news attention. um, When they were talking about creating like some sort of national an um, IL committee, and then there's like an Ohio congressman that's trying to create one, and I'm sure there's several others, but the problem is, realistically, can any of them really make it out of... And, and all of them tend to mention at the very end, oh, and by the way, athletes aren't employees. It's like they, they're they all writing that line into it somewhere. Um, but I'm not sure, and I agree with you, I think... Yeah, I'm looking at one of his more recent things, because uh, McCann used to write for Sports Illustrated, now he writes for Sportico, you know, is he just like the odds that Congress passes anything are slim, especially as state laws, labor law litigation, uh, national labor relations board action and basic economics reconstitute the relationship between college athletes and their schools. So he's like you. He thinks it's gonna be a state level thing, or at the very least, a conference level thing, where we would need someone like the SEC and the Big Ten. Most likely paving that way, and it seems like if any of them, it's going to be the SEC at this point because their states, um, their eleven states, are the ones doing all the craziest things right now in competition. Because and and you get that's why you get someone like Kirby Smart and and Nick Saban, two guys that you know they clearly they know how to play the game, uh, but uh, and I mean the recruiting game specifically. But at the same time, it's like you know I mean I love every time Nick Saban says something, his warnings are my favorites. Like you guys don't know what's i'm not doing an exam impression but he's like you guys don't know what's coming but you don't know what you're going to be dealing with and he says that with like uh you know i'm going to win right you know I, you know if you want me to play this game i can play this game you're not going to like it <laughs> you know vanderbilt or or whoever he's talking to but um my goodness yeah that but that congress that that california proposal the idea of like it has to be 6 years to to get the 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 what the your share of it That does at least tend to tie some of it back into the student-athlete model, which is is interesting. Um, Although, again, I'd be interested to see how that that moves forward. And I think that's what a lot of people don't realize, how, like, when we're talking about college sports and athletes um, and whether or not they're going to be paid or not, it it tends to still cross that. Because, you know, when we talk about Supreme Court justices and, and talking about that, I had someone who was listening in, send me a message about like, oh, Justice Kavanaugh. I'm like, no, no, okay, you got to set that part aside. This is this is really a bipartisan issue when we talk about it, especially when we're trying to figure out the role of the NCAA. It's They, they keep running into courts that are almost – I mean it doesn't, doesn't matter who appointed the, the judge. They are like not happy yeah, with problem. how this has been – Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It, it, it's like – it's like I remember it used to be I always joke about baseball because all the exceptions were carved out for baseball. And I'm like, yeah, you can tell judges were historically judges have loved Major League Baseball. That's why all of these exceptions keep getting cut out. I can't remember. There's some famous decision where a judge was it even a justice. I can't remember, but basically said, I will look at anyone try out challenging. This as challenging America or something like that. And it's like. Okay, come on, for real. Any any other like industry? If somebody said that, if a good judge said that, you just can't say that. Um, but uh, but I, and I think that the patience with the NCAA has certainly run out. Um, so I know some people would be curious. I, and by the way, for while uh, I just want to say that that Ross Dellinger article, where I kind of where he touches, I mean, again, it's he's he's writing for Sports Illustrated. It's it's not like a super in depth, but he hits on a lot of these potential topics i I added as a reply um to this tweet that is the uh the twitter space so if you'd like to read that and just get a real glimpse of what we're talking about when there's a pandora's box out there i recommend it it's now 9 35 and i've been trying to keep these to about 30 minutes on tuesday night so i'm gonna probably use this then as an opportunity to wrap it up but i wanted to just first of all Thank everyone who was up here. This is one of the I, I it's so nice. Last week it's always funny. We can never predict who's gonna call. I think last week was ninety-eight percent me just talking. And I always have like, I'm not joking, if you could say I have like an ultra wide monitor, I'd like 40 tabs open with like, well, I can fill time talking about all these topics. But then I saw Thak, and then we had Nathan, and then we had you. Um Mr. West Coast Kane, um, and uh, it was wonderful to, to get this kind of conversation. And That's what I love hearing, because there's always such good, interesting insight that we got from from all of you guys. So I just wanted to thank you guys for joining us. My name is Bob Ekaieri. This was RCFB Talk 142. We do these every Tuesday night in the off season at 9 p.m. As I joked, I remembered this at 8.34 Central Time. It's 10 p.m. Eastern when we start these, but... On behalf of everyone at RCFB, thanks again for listening. Now I'm going to hang up and listen.